Hey, hey, this is Tracy Austin with Mental Fitness Matters. This show is designed to provide people with tips, strategies, and solutions to improve your mental fitness. This is Mental Fitness Matters. Hey, hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. You are listening to Mental Fitness Matters. I am your host, Tracy Austin, and this is WSIC Radio. Happy Thursday out there. I hope everyone is having an amazing week. And guess what? If you're not, that's okay, too. It really is okay to not be okay. We are all human. And we have to remember that point, guys. We are all human. And becoming more aware of who we are how you feel and what you need is an essential part of taking care of your overall mental health and well-being. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's a time to raise awareness of those living with mental and behavioral health issues and try to help reduce the stigma that so many people face on a daily basis. So if you're tuning in for the very first time, welcome to the Mental Fitness Matters show. My name is Tracy Austin. This is a show designed to provide you with tips, strategies and solutions to improve your mental health and mental fitness. Um, My background, I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, a mental fitness consultant. and I'm also board certified in biofeedback and neurofeedback, and I am super passionate about mental health and mental fitness and bringing people solutions and resources on how to optimize their mental health and brain health. I'm the founder of two companies located in North Carolina, New Mentality and Mental Edge Fitness Solutions. So I just want people to know there are resources out here that are available. If you or someone you know are looking for solutions to improve your mental health, your brain health, and you're looking for online or remote training or in-office solutions, please visit TracyAlston.com. You do not have to suffer alone. And you can also just work on your mental fitness. It's so important for us to start opening up this conversation, removing the stigma and recognizing that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. Okay, so let's get started. I cannot be more excited about my guest today. He's 23 years old and he is crushing it in so many areas of his life. And he is truly using his story, his platform and his influence to help people with social anxiety be themselves in front of anyone. I have Mark Mitri. He's a 23 year old um, that has faced social anxiety and other issues with his mental and physical health his whole life um, to becoming the host of the global top 100 podcast called Humans 2.0 featured by Forbes. He's also a Forbes featured TEDx speaker. He's also on Amazon Prime's TV docuseries, The Social Movement, and he is right now spending his life uh, helping others in industries of mental health, career, personal branding, and more. Mark is also a best-selling author. Mark, welcome to Mental Fitness Matters, buddy. Nice to have you on. How you doing? Tracy, I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. I love love your show. I love the, the the music. I love everything that you do and what you stand for. And again, thank you for having me on. And you know, one real one one thing that I learned about what you said about you know mental fitness is that the same way that the way that I think about it is if you have a physical body, you have a capacity for physical health. Yes. If you have a brain, you have a capacity for mental health. And I think it's so great that you're starting to, you know, largen up these conversations and, and, and bring more awareness because like people need to know that there's an entirely different side to life than maybe how they're living. And I remember for me, 
when I was 18, 19, I just started to discover this stuff. And, you know, for me, like my whole life, I've, I've been an entrepreneur, you know, I've run different companies, businesses, but for me, you know, I've really just said like, Hey, I need to really go all in on mental health because I know so many people, myself included, where you make a lot of money, you have, you know, you're successful on paper, but then at the end of the day, like things still don't seem right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you still face a lot of different anxiety and you start to realize that there's a different way of life of different ways where you can act and you can start to feel better, think better on so many different levels. And so thank you, Tracy, for, you know, having me on and, and bringing this conversation to the spotlight. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Mark, for your time. I was just really fascinated by your story. I came across you on uh, LinkedIn and was just like, let me connect and reach out. And I've been doing research and just seeing how you even said several places that I've kind of read that you didn't always start out uh, where you are right now. You know, there has been a process to that. Give us some insight a little bit on your background and kind of how you got here today. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, my parents, they immigrated to this country from Egypt uh, like a year or two before I was born. We kind of grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. And, you know, I think I just had like a normal, you know, very simple childhood. My parents were always working all the time, uh, you know, trying to provide for me and my family. Uh, And for me, like a really interesting time that I look back is by the time I was about second, third grade, my family and I moved from the inner city into, uh, you know, a more small rural town, a very small town with like 5,000 people in it. And, you know, there was a lot of great people in that place, but also, uh, you know, it was very much a uh, very interesting place. I remember being the only person there who looked different from everybody else, maybe me or two or three families, uh, you know, were different than how everyone else physically looked. And so I remember sort of just being a kid, a young kid, and all of a sudden, you know, being placed in this environment that was very hostile, very toxic towards me. I ended up facing different forms of bullying, racial profiling, all sorts of stuff. And as a result, I ended up basically having social anxiety, which meant for me, my brain just sort of shifted into this different mode where it just became about hiding. It just became about how can I stay safe? It just became about, Hey, how can I just put my head down and not just say anything to anybody? And so I just always kind of became like that kid in the back of the classroom, the kid walking alone, never really having any friends. And so that was really my life. Um, And it wasn't 10 years later until I was 18 as to where I really started to face some, what I would say, more serious issues. All of a sudden, I became overweight. I, I became, you know, slightly overbeast. All of a sudden, my lifelong social anxiety transformed into social isolation. I became depressed for the first time. I, I couldn't really fall asleep at night. Next thing I knew, I was just at rock bottom. And and I mean, really the best play, I, the best way I could phrase it is it truly felt like my brain broke. Mm. And that was even a time where I was even suicidal uh, for about a three, three to four weeks. And eventually, you know, through a, a very slow process, I was able to climb out of that and really just be like, you know, hey, Mark, like you're destined for a lot more and don't let sort of this, this virus that was sort of installed into me as a young kid, don't confuse that with who you are. Mm. And so I remember 
always as a kid being called like that shy, quiet, introverted kid. And I definitely am like definitely a little bit introverted, but what I've learned is I never questioned that. And it turns out there's like a, a percentage of people who maybe they're sort of like loosely under the shy in, introverted category, but in reality they have social anxiety. And really what that means is like every time, that you go to present your true self to the world. Every time you want to be social, there's just a part of your brain that feels like it can't do that. And if you were to sort of show your true self, then the entire world is going to judge you and put you down. And so for me, when I was 18, that was really where I hit rock bottom. But then through that, I was able to go up and really just sort of understand like what's the most meaningful thing in life. And, you know, previously up to that time, real quick, I was still a successful entrepreneur. Like I was making like six figures, even at that young of an age. And so I, I had that sort of in the background of like, I was successful on paper. I sort of did what society told me would do that would bring me happiness and be successful. But then there was just this whole other piece of sort of mental health, brain health, how that relates to my identity, how that relates to relationships that I just had no idea. And it's really the time where I started to look at it from, hey, this is who I am. Like, this is who I think I am versus the, there are actually some skills that I can learn to Mm. become the person that I need to sort of become and become my real self and not let uh, what I, what I would call like a virus is in my case, social anxiety, sort of completely control my system and completely control my life. Cause that just leads to more and more problems. And Harvard did a, a meta-analysis study where they actually found that social anxiety um, out of, you know, a lot of the other mental health issues has some of the highest correlations between substance abuse, mm-hmm. social isolation and suicide. And that's exactly where I was when I was 18. And so I've just been on this journey ever since then through the podcast, through the book, just trying to speak about this, just trying to bring awareness about this because there are so many people out there who are seriously so smart and are so kind and are so intelligent, but they also have like this virus in their head that maybe they don't even know that they have it, or maybe they're just sort of, you know, living under the label of being shy or being an introvert. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been trying to push this message because like, it's just what I learned. Like, it doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world, if, if even if you have a, a family that loves you, all these things, of course, are important. But if your mind, if your brain isn't operating right, you're just not going to be able to truly feel the fulfillment and happiness from those things, even though you objectively have them in, a re, in your reality. I and so that, that's how I sort of describe what I do. Yeah. 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 And thank you so much for sharing in such detail and depth. I love that because you've said so many different things and so many things that I'm going to bring us to. But I'm going to go back a little bit because I love how you kind of describe that sense of feeling alone and isolated and wanting to go hide. Let's talk there for a little bit, Mark, because I think we're going to have some people listening from a younger age to middle age to older age that have probably can say, you know what, I've been where you are. or I'm there now. And I felt these feelings and emotions. And you did an awesome job on your latest podcast episode. And when you talked about the difference between introvert, are you introverted, shy, or is it social anxiety? And if you guys please download the humans 
2.0. That latest episode was great. I love that because for you to describe and go through the different places of emotions and what you feel and how so often people could be labeled as just, oh, they're just shy or not that you don't want to speak or don't want to talk. But like you said, your brain goes on override. What were some of those feelings that manifested on the inside of you that you knew? Wait a minute. This is not who I am. There's something else going on. You said around 18 years old is when you really tapped in and was like, there's more to me here. What did, how did you know? Yeah. So I would say two two things. Um, So number one is I, uh, I, I had a great family growing up, great parents, great older sister. They really helped me a lot when I look back at it. If I didn't have them, I probably wouldn't be here. Um, But really what I think it was is two things. I think number one is when I was younger, as a result of not having any friends and not playing any sports and doing these things, I spent a lot of time online. And so I remember being online in like 2008 and like really just like learning and discovering, uh, you know, the things about the internet and social media and all this stuff kind of before it was mainstream Um, And so I remember doing, you know, launching different online ventures and becoming quite successful, making like six figures. And so it's not that I necessarily thought that that money made me successful, but there was a little part in the back of my brain that was like, Mark, there is some potential to you. There is like sort of something to you, like the average person didn't do this. And so there was one as part of it. But then the second part of it was, you know, for me, Tracy, when I was suicidal, what I would do is I would walk in the most dangerous areas of Boston uh, at night by myself and really just fantasize about someone walking up to me and trying to mug me and end my life. And a lot of things happened on those walks. But one of the things that happened was I remember one of those nights I was just walking and I was just sort of looking down. And next thing I know or realize is I just, I don't hear anything. You know, I didn't have my headphones in. I didn't, I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't distracted by anything. All of a sudden I just like heard or felt this weird sense of kind of eerie silence. And it was like this silence, this sense of silence enough where it just made me look up. And I remember looking up and just almost getting like a second thought in my brain that almost said like, maybe I shouldn't be here right now. Like maybe this is a very bad decision. And I remember in that moment when that happened, that was really the first time where I even became aware of what it meant to think something, what it meant to have a thought. Mm -hmm. You know, previously I had never really sort of questioned my thoughts or my emotions, but I had just sort of just entered in my life and existed in every moment and just listened to my thoughts and never really questioned them. And so all of a sudden when I'm on, you know, this dark night, I'm by myself, it's silent. And I sort of, you know, it's not like I was hearing voices, but I heard almost like a second thought. It just made me question and be like, wait, what was that? Hmm. And I remember realizing on that walk where like a lot of these thoughts that were in my mind that always had told me, Hey, Mark, you're a loser. You're never going to accomplish anything. You're a bad force in the world. You're not good for people. All these different thoughts that I had on a loop in my head. That was really the first time where I started to just become skeptical. And I started to ask myself, like, wait, if this is the first time 
that I'm becoming aware of a thought and these thoughts, I don't even resonate. Like when, when a thought tells me, Hey, I'm stupid. Me as Mark, I don't really think I'm stupid. So why is my brain saying that to me? Mm. And so that was like the, the beginning of a very small, like realization and epiphany that just started to get me to question my own thoughts and my own emotions. And I remember also at that time, you know, I had faced social anxiety, you know, due to a large variety of factors, but one of them was growing up in a very toxic environment where people were very, you know, rude and and mean uh, to me at a surface level. But then what I realized was once I was in high school and even when I was in college and now I was in a different environment and I was with different people, what I realized was this, my brain was telling me the same things, even though there was nobody around me who was bullying me Mm -hmm. or abusing me or being racist to me. Mm -hmm. And so that was a time where I was like, wait, how is my brain still repeating these things when I'm not in the, the, you know, the sort of right environment. And so that was really the time where that was my first insight of any kind of awareness and any kind of awareness that really are, that we even have thoughts as humans and that we don't necessarily have to believe our thoughts and we can actually question our thoughts and not all of our thoughts are going to be right. And then I started to Google and research and then it turns out, you know, I don't think this is the exact number. I'm not sure anybody knows, but it's something like the the average person has something like 60,000 thoughts a day. And so then that made me really be like, huh? So we're having these thoughts every single day and a lot of us don't even know we're having these thoughts they are unconscious. Some of them are conscious and yet they're sort of controlling our behavior. They're sort of like running this sort of story like behind the scenes. And so when that happened to me when I was 18, when I like really hit rock bottom and I was really like, Mark, I'm either going to like become a statistic here or I'm just going to like go on this journey and change my life and become someone that. I couldn't even imagine looking back at myself years later. And so it was really just like a combination of those experiences that just began to give me that awareness, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense, buddy. And you have said a couple words that we use on this show quite often, that awareness and the, the, the statistics that you brought out that our brain, we do have between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts per day. And majority of those thoughts are the same thoughts that we have yesterday and they're negative in nature. And I loved how you described the environment that you were in, especially growing up, being bullied and kind of hearing things that you knew for self wasn't true. And recognizing that that has been the default program that your brain had been running the entire time. And so intuitively, the knowing and I want people as we're listening to this, we are good. You know, we are good. So seeing yourself in that way. So there's some messaging or programming that's playing in the back of your mind or the forefront of your mind. Question it. If you are speaking negatively of yourself and you're just constantly hearing failure, I shouldn't be here, I'm not worth it, on and on and on, whatever that is, this is the time and moment to press pause and say, you know what, let's override that. Because is that something that's been in my programming, whether it's from environmental situations, a lot of times stress, um, things that the underlying stress and anxiety and worry can send your brain into this overdrive of thoughts that are not helpful for you. So being able to thank you, Marks saying that push pause and just question what it is that you're hearing, what it is that you're saying to yourself and say, wait a minute, is that truly who I am? And being able to question yourself, you can question your thoughts because remember majority are going to be negative thoughts. Positive thinking guys takes practice. 
It is a skill. It's not something that you just wake up and all of a sudden you're excited. No, you have to get on repeat repetition and practicing positive thinking matters. It matters. So thank you for sharing that. That makes complete sense. And if anybody's listening out there, know that if you're questioning yourself, questioning who you are, there may be a program that you have been running for quite some time that has been put in by your environment, by your situation, by your financial status, by whatever the scenarios may be. That may not be your truth, especially if it's not serving you in a way that's positive and healthy. Um, Mark, yeah. I would love to to hear for yourself. What would you say for any practical skills or things that you kind of took along the way when you turn 18? And I hear you kind of really going intuitively and feeling that knowing that that wasn't the right messaging. Anything that you did along your journey to get support to deal with your anxiety, social anxiety? Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, real quick, I just want to say, yeah. you know, I think one of the biggest things that I learned is that I think that I was given a gift. You know, I think I was given a gift of like facing social anxiety for 10 years and then hitting this rock bottom of like real extremity to where I was, I just sort of realized that like, if I don't change, I don't really have it. I don't really have a choice. I'm going to live a, a very miserable life. And I kind of had like the 10 years that had passed as proof of that. Um, and so I think the biggest thing, like the biggest habit or like meta habit that I would say, it's like, it's like the willingness to, to be able to like go into that darkness, to go into your thoughts. And I mean, like, you know, let's be real. Like, I think people don't do it. It's because it's scary. You know what I mean? It's like you're walking around, right. And then maybe your mind gives you a glimpse of a thought uh, of maybe you should do something or maybe you shouldn't think this certain way. And then we just sort of like try to forget about it. And we just try to like try to send it to like the back of our brain. So like no one will ever check again. But I just learned that those things harm you in the long term. And so if you can just be honest with yourself. And for me, I remember just doing that with like a journal that I bought, like literally just writing down like, you know, what am I afraid of? And just dealing with my fears because there's this great quote and it says, fear has no spot on paper. And so I think that if we're able to sort of take everything that I've said and then put it somewhere on paper, write it down, you know, meditate about it, pray about it, whatever your process is to be able to get closer to what is really stopping you, which is that fear, then that's uh, great. Uh, in terms of your question about uh, getting support, um, so I think one of the biggest things that you know, I look back on those super helpful for me. I remember I had uh, a best friend of mine and I remember him and I had sort of grown up in this community. And I, you know, during in 2015, when I was at my rock bottom, I, you know, like I said, I had sort of began to socially isolate myself. Anybody who I was kind of hanging out with or was friends with, I just stopped talking to completely. And I remember I had this best friend of mine who he had kind of like forced me to like make plans with him to get food or something like that. And I remember like 15, 30 minutes beforehand, I remember I texted him and I was like, Hey, Michael, I, I don't really want to go. You can just go without me and we can just hang out some other time. And that was like, right when I was like suicidal, like in the midst mm. of that time. And I remember this friend of mine, Michael, he stayed at the bottom of my college dorm room and he, he just wouldn't leave. He like kept on calling, texting me. And he was just like, Mark, I'm literally not going to leave until you come down here and at least talk to me. 
And I remember I came down and I just sort of talked to him. And I, I mean, I don't think it was anything crazy in the moment, but in the long term, like that, that showed me. You're supposed that, to be here. Yeah, that I'm supposed to be here, that people need me, that, that you know, pe- like even if people seem like they don't care, they actually do care yeah. uh, about you. And it just made me think bigger from the perspective of like, you know, where I am in my life and that people are there, you know, and, and, and unfortunately there's a lot of people who are in a lot of worse situations who yeah. don't have families, friends, you know, all kinds of situations. And so I think that in the long term really, really helped me. I love um, it. And so that's a big one. For I sure. love it. Thank you for sharing that, buddy. We got a, about a minute left. I want people to know how they can reach you. We're going to have to do this again. This show goes by so yeah. quickly. We're going to do a part two to this, buddy. How can people reach out to you and connect with you? You got a book as well called Screw Being Shy. Learn how to manage social anxiety and be yourself in front of anyone. How can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you just go to my website, which is my first and last name, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com, you could check out links to my podcast, my book. There's a direct contact form. There's my email newsletter where I send out weekly only educational articles all about this stuff. And and if, you, if something is interesting, you can always respond back to an email and it'll go directly to my inbox. And so just markmetry.com. And, and tr- Tracy, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a, a great honor. And yeah, we should definitely do this again. And thank you to everyone out there for watching, listening. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you for all you do. And thank you for who you are. Make sure you thank yourself for not giving up on you. That's amazing. And I want my Mental Fitness Matters community to go out and shine bright like the stars that we are. If the voice in your head is not being nice to you, shut it down. Question your thoughts if it's not a good one. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good week. Thank you for joining us today on Mental Fitness Matters. Tune in every Thursday at 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. for more tips, tools, strategies, and solutions that will help you reach your peak mental fitness. My name is Tracy Austin, and you've been listening to Mental Fitness Matters. 